Hey, and welcome to Game Talk. I'm your host, Damon Beyond. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And I've been wanting to do this topic since 2022 started, but this year has already been absolutely wild. But I do kind of want to take a pause and look around and see where we're at in the gaming industry from a bird's eye view and make some predictions about where we think we're going to go. And already, I feel like, and, and yes, we've discussed this ad nauseum in the previous few episodes, but... The name of the game right now seems to be Acquisitions, um, and I think Acquisitions are going to shake up the industry in a big way, like as they already have, right? But I think that's going to continue to happen through 2022. And I think it's an interesting topic to talk about because like, it we're in a period of drastic change, I think. We're in the middle of it right now. And it, it, it does make me a little nervous, right? Because like, I feel like gaming has been so good as a whole lately. Like, I'm talking, like, PC, I'm talking Nintendo, I'm talking Sony, I'm talking Microsoft. And I'm afraid these drastic changes might lead to more bad than good. I don't know. That's just the pessimist in me talking. But I guess we can start off with the the whole, like, acquisition thing. Like, we've got uh, Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard. We've got Sony acquiring Bungie, we've got Nintendo staying, all of it. What do you all make of this? And where do you think we're going to go uh, as the year progresses? I mean, short term, I think it's pretty cool. Like, obviously, I'm happy that, like, like it was recently announced Call of Duty skipping a year. That's definitely, like, a direct result of the Microsoft acquisition. It's not. Right? No. It's not? Yep. It, this was a decision t- solely made by Activision Blizzard because Call of really? Duty. Yeah, like... The developers just can't handle it anymore. Like, they've been yeah, in a, it's, a crunch for basically the better part of, like, what, two decades now? They've yeah, been pumping out it's a long time. Call of Duty left and right every year, year after year. And this one's going to slip. And it's not even this one, right? The 2022 Call of Duty is still on track. But the 2023 one is already being delayed, which just goes to show how crazy it is, how far in advance these games are planned and developed. But... Yeah. Yeah, no, I was surprised about that too. I thought it would be it was, you know, Microsoft coming in and saying something, but the deal has not happened yet. This was a a totally Activision centric decision. Um Okay. But yeah, what what I was going to say, what I was going to lead into at that point, but there there are other points as well like I I think it's going to be pretty cool for me personally in the short term. Like PlayStation is bringing all their games to PC, Xbox, Game Pass, basically like you know 80 some percent of the games i play i get through game pass i'm not you know i'm paying 10 bucks a month for most of my gaming and that's an insane value i just you know netflix was really cool in 2012 it's not a sustainable business model necessarily so i wonder where we're going to end up yeah i wonder like like i said right like we're talking about 2020 exclusively on this episode so i think in 2020 we're going to be pretty fine overall but like you said where we're going to end up is kind of what i'm worried about And I do think, like, and maybe the optimistic view of this is that, like, everyone has adopted the software first model, right? Like, everyone's just scrambling to get all of their, all the pieces they can, and then disseminate the games everywhere they can to make the most money. See, and I I think that that is smart business. I think that the software first model is right, because having, like, vertical integration is good for a company sometimes, but, like having dedicated software developers and 
totally separate dedicated hardware developers is not necessarily a bad thing. It's worked pretty well in the PC space for a long time. It has. And it, that that just gets me thinking, right? Like, we know Microsoft has been like about that re- approach from day one. And now we see Sony starting to think like, hey, this is the way to go with like how they're treating Bungie and they're putting it on every platform and they're cozying up with PC a lot, you know. And it, it leads me to believe that like maybe these big players like Sony and Microsoft are just trying to get as much content, you know, quote unquote, as they can, like snap it up just so that when these games go everywhere, that they stand to profit the most. That's the most optimistic view of things, I think. But it's hard to know. Yeah. yeah. The, the other view is like, are they doing this? Are they like trying to sink their teeth into you? Exactly. Is is this a gamble so that like, hey, you know, you li- you really liked Uncharted on PC, didn't you? Well, it's not there anymore. Exactly. Buy is, a PlayStation. Is this or, a, like a, a more of a walled garden like Apple approach? I, right. Like, is this like we're going to get you into our system and then you can get more of what you like only on our system? I would say I'm almost certain that that's not the case with Xbox, and I think it's pretty unlikely that it's the case with PlayStation. Yeah, I, if, I, if you granted, asked me a year ago, I would have said that, yes, this is what PlayStation's doing. Now, I don't think so. Like, I definitely nah, think it, they're following the get everything everywhere approach. Granted, we're, they're not going to get there for a long, long time, but I see the trend now. It does. It just kind of feels like they finally, and I, this is something I've thought for a long time, is that, like, PlayStation does not compete with PC. Like, a lot of people that have a gaming PC, like, they were never going to buy a PlayStation. It just was not, it wasn't in the cards. Like even, even myself, I have a PS4. I was not going to buy a new PlayStation. I, I went and I bought one used because there was one game I wanted to play. Like, And we're seeing that reflected in like these sales, like these Sony exclusives coming to PC are doing quite well. Yeah, God of War did very well. So God of War did well. Horizon did well. Days Gone, well, it was, it was I'm there. I'm really <laughs> curious how Uncharted's going to do though, because that's... That's Especially, a very old game at this point. Well, here's the thing. Like, Uncharted, everyone, I feel like most people know of Uncharted, right? Like, even if you don't play it on PlayStation. Yeah, movie. Yeah, it, it, that's another point to bring up, too. Like, the movie's out, and it's actually doing quite well, right? Like, general audiences are responding very favorably to it. Really? Which, by the way, I went and saw it. I was not very impressed. It was just, like, a generic, you know, adventure movie. And, like, I think it was horrendously miscast. But people are responding to this movie. It's... I mean, like, the Sony Pictures guy came out and already said this is the start of a great new movie franchise for us. So we're going to get oh more God. Tom Holland Uncharted. We're going to no. we're gonna get more <laughs> Marky Mark is Sully. Like, it's happening. God, I've never wanted them to kill Sully off more. <laughs> like, yeah. Marky Mark is Sully. Oh. Such, that is the worst. Maybe oh, the worst. Anyway, also, spoilers. Fine. There were uh, two. Spoil- really? I might go see it. Okay. Well, okay. I'm not going to go see it. I might watch it when it comes to uh, like a streaming service. All right. Well, just know that there's two credit scenes. Oh, that's not a spoiler. Okay. I was going to tell you what they were, but now I won't. Oh, I don't yeah. want you to tell me what they are. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. But yeah, uh, that tangent is aside. Damage. Actually, that, you know, this will, that is a tangent, but actually that kind of leads into another point. Games are really looking to breach multimedia. Right. Like Sony is looking to make The Last of Us and Uncharted. And, you know, I think Ratchet, Ratchet and Clank, they already tried. And like 
looking and they're apparently making a twisted metal tv show like sony in particular is trying to really branch out into tv and movies microsoft is doing something similar there's a halo tv show now oh my god yeah they announced they're gonna show master chief's face in the halo show nintendo is making a mario movie you know starring (laughs) yeah i feel like they kind of have to i mean fortnite is this multimedia behemoth behemoth yeah yeah so like they've seen that it exists and like I you know Mario's not competing with Fortnite. That's not the world we live in. But you know, they've got to be seeing that like this mass appeal is there, especially in this younger generation. It, it's fascinating to me because like I think a decade or two ago, like video games, broadly speaking, have tried to break into Hollywood, have tried to you know make TV shows and movies. Not granted, like back before this streaming infrastructure was is where it is now. But like movies have largely sucked you know like video game movies have largely sucked and video game adaptations outside of the game itself have largely been lackluster but now i feel like i feel like maybe they're starting to i guess quote unquote figure it out or something but like i think now when these attempts are made they're seeing a lot more successes and therefore a lot more money there and they're trying to get more and more of these franchises that video game players know and love in front of everyone else there's already I I watched the trailer for Sonic Two and it looks like Sonic One was an okay movie. Sonic Two looks like it actually like has a little bit of love for the Sonic franchise in a way that I'm really here for. And they've already like announced they've already Sonic yeah they've 3. already greenlit Sonic Three. They've like yeah. it's I it's kind of wild to me. And then like you know the Sonic movies are on track to be more consistent than the Sonic video games. I think like overall like yes, I want these adaptations to be good so that people fully appreciate like how good these things are that we've loved for years, but like at the same time I'm just glad that competent things are being made now, right? Yeah. Like I'm just glad that like these characters are going to take the next step in like becoming like renowned, I think. Because, like, with something, someone like Mario, right? Like, everyone knows who Mario is. You don't have to play video games to know who Mario yeah, is. Yeah, I do wonder, But like, for someone like, wait, I don't know. Movie. Who's Mario? Exactly, right? right? But, yeah. like, but for someone like Nathan Drake, right? Like, someone, like, obviously, like, I wasn't too big a fa- fan of the Uncharted movie. But, like, it's doing well. And Tom Holland is probably the hottest star in Hollywood right now, right? Like, and the fact that people associate. <laughs> God. That people associate Tom Holland with Nathan Drake now, it can only be a good thing for the character of Nathan Drake, broadly speaking. My question is, like, is the value proposition, like, is the, like, is the value they're trying to get, like, hey, we have this popular game character, maybe we'll, like, get value out of a movie as well because people like the character, or is the value, like, maybe people will see this movie and be interested in playing Uncharted games, and so we'll sell some PlayStations. I think it's the opposite. I think people, I think they're trying to take these IP that have been proven extremely successful and just catapult them into the stratosphere, right? Like, so it's it's not a marketing stunt. It's actually just trying to make a good movie that people want to see. Yeah, it's trying to, like, you know, it's trying to get... I guess this is, you know, maybe simplifying it, but it's trying to get Nathan Drake to that Mario level, uh, you know, no ability, right? Like, pe- they want everyone to know who Nathan Drake is. They want everyone to know who Master Chief is, right? Like, I think that is the end goal here, because that ultimately results in the IP being more marketable. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's that's definitely, like, a trend that's been happening more and more, right? And, like, we were going to get more movies. We're going to get more TV shows. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. In addition to the acquisitions, I think that's probably the next biggest 
trend that I've been noticing. But another thing I kind of wanted to touch on was just to drill into these individual companies themselves. And companies talking about first party. We can talk about first party in PC. But I guess we can just start with PC. We've got the release of a, a mobile PC, right? Like a mobile oh PC God, console. Yeah, the Steam right? Deck. That's going to be... That's going to be a game changer. I don't know if you guys have been watching the reviews and stuff. Like, they're going to sell millions of these things. And, and I think... It, and and it's not just going to, like... The Steam Deck is going to affect the entire industry in a big way. And it's it's fascinating to me because, like, I think Nintendo planted the seeds for this, right? Like, they saw oh, sure. Nintendo yeah. basically had the handheld market cornered right other than mobile which i guess i I, for sake of argument i'm going to separate mobile and handheld but they had the handheld market cornered and no one was challenging that you know sony basically gave up when they stopped supporting vita and didn't create another handheld microsoft has never even attempted to do anything in that space you see that's that's valve comes in that's the missing piece of the steam deck for me is a partnership with microsoft and they're not gonna do it because they're not valve does not like microsoft yeah but it, the fact that I can't play Game Pass on it is, like, the one thing that is missing. See, me. I think from Microsoft and Phil Spencer's perspective, the mobile Xbox console is basically just using xCloud to stream it to a tablet or something. I think that's what he thinks, how he thinks yeah, of it, at I, least. Well, yeah. And, like, well, the way I see it, Phil Spencer would love to get Game Pass on the Steam Deck. He would love to get Game Pass everywhere. Yeah, yeah like yeah. he'd love for native Game Pass to be on the Steam Deck. That's not the problem. The problem is like Valve's not going to want to like let you download your Game Pass games through Steam, which is what would have to happen. They're not going to let that happen. Yeah. But like just the concept of a handheld PC console that has you know no, been I mean it's not just so and they're not just like, slapping games on it, right? Like all these games have been tested, like all these games have been proven to well, run right mini games you can you can theoretically play any game on steam they have a list of approved games and everything that and it's like sure a gonna work. gigantic list right it's big yeah it's it's yeah the steam deck is on its way it, it's hard to categorize the steam deck because if you it is basically a console right but like if you call it a console the steam deck is launching with the single largest launch library of any console ever like by a wide margin <laughs> I mean, it's it's a console, but it's also like a PC. It's just a yeah, PC, I mean, you, right? Yeah, you like, can plug it in and it's put a, a switch. And mouse. It's a PC yeah. switch, right? Like it's even going to have a dock, I believe, yeah. right? So no, I I think the legacy of the Steam Deck is going to be huge. And you know, I might be eating these words in a couple of years, but I I like to think like we we've talked about it a few times, but like setting a minimum spec, like if Steam Deck is the spec that PC games want to run on on their low settings at 30 frames per second. You know, that's awesome. Like that means that like somebody going in, if you want to build a PC, you like know that you need to at least match the Steam Deck. Like, or if you have a Steam Deck, you can be pretty sure your games are going to run. And that's just huge. And that's that that's going to ripple. That's going to affect console games. That's going to affect major PC releases. This, I I think that this thing is going to be huge. And I think you know, like it just sort of hit me. This does sort of tie into the theme we've been seeing about like just getting games everywhere. The Steam yeah. Deck is going to get games into the hands of so many more people, and it just and this isn't a new strategy for Valve. Valve's been trying to bring gaming to the bring gaming bring PC gaming to the living room for ten years now. With you know, big picture, they tried to do the Steam machines. They did the Steam Link, which everybody everybody likes to pretend the Steam Link was a failure. That's just not true. The Steam Link hardware 
became redundant because smart TVs got so big. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of TVs have Steam Link built into them and stuff like that. Like, I still use Steam Link pretty regularly. I I think it's incredible. (laughs) But yeah, I think it it is interesting. Like, this is... This is another uh, bullet point to support the theory that, like, games are just going to be everywhere now, I think. Yeah, the fact that you're going to be able to have your Steam Deck and you can play God of War. I know, right? And Uncharted and Halo and, like, you know, any PC, you know, Factorio, (laughs) all on the same device. Yeah, and I think think this segues well, because I think that's the big innovation right now in PC, like, the mobile PC push. Right, like, uh, of course, the 40 series graphics cards are given, like, they're going to be bonkers, but I don't really know if we need to touch on that, because I think that's evident. But I want to go in the polar opposite direction now and talk about Nintendo, right? Like, Nintendo are still just doing Nintendo things, right? In this radically shifting landscape where all these big players are making huge, unorthodox moves that we would not have seen coming a few years ago. Nintendo, Nintendo seems like it's course. just staying the course in the face yeah. of all of this. No acquisition talk at all from Nintendo. Uh, yeah, they're not, not even releasing a new console anytime soon, right? And the Switch is getting kind of up there in age. Um, I mean, the Switch came out. Yeah, I guess it's five years old now. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me because like Nintendo is playing an entirely different game from everyone else, and they're doing and they're and they're winning that game, right? Like they're doing insane yeah, numbers. Yeah. Like I just said, the Steam Deck is going to sell really well. The Steam Deck is not going to sell like the Switch sells. Absolutely no not. Way. Yeah, it's a, it's a premium product still. At like you know, at its cheapest, four hundred dollars, you can get a Switch for two hundred. I just so. do think it's really interesting because I think like early last year, I don't know if it was around this time, but like there was s- the the talk of like a Switch successor was like at a fever pitch, right? Like we thought the Switch OLED was going to be like a Switch Pro or something like that and have like 4K capability and all of that. None of that ended up being true. And it turns out Nintendo is still thinking of the Switch as their main machine for the next few years right like we we talked about i I suspect the switch will be good at least seven years that's like yeah i I think so console length these days isn't it so seven years it came out in 2017 that makes it what 2024 and they're planning on supporting mario kart 8 till the end of 2023 so that lines up very nicely i think yeah it does for them to release mario kart 8 deluxe deluxe on the the switch too right like mario kart 8 deluxe remastered but like Supporting Mario Kart 8 the way that they have been is not really staying the course for Nintendo. That's actually kind of crazy. Releasing yeah, a no, DLC okay. for your bundle that came with the old DLC. No, like, so let's talk about how Nintendo has changed. Because they have changed, right? Like, they they are trying to push their online services, right? They have a yeah, subscription I, I service now. I credit where credit is due. The newer Nintendo games... Online has worked in the past few Nintendo titles I've seen. I don't know if it worked in Mario Party super well. I didn't look, but like... It has. It online has worked. Play was fine. It has it worked great good. in Mario Party. I've I've played it online often. So so maybe like I don't think that it's because they're charging for it. I don't want to believe that, but maybe like it did get better. I mean, but like here's the thing: like in in 2022, you either invest in your online infrastructure or you die, right? Like I don't like even like Nintendo can't keep being dinosaurs in that regard forever, right? Like they have to adopt like the online age, and I feel like they're doing that, and they've created some sort of uh, membership slash subscription with the Nintendo Switch Online Pass and the expansion pack that has been, you know, was controversial when it was first announced, but I feel like overall has been very successful and they keep adding value to it. Like yeah, they, they're saying these all detractor, these game but... DLCs that you would have to pay individually for, you could 
get the expansion pass and then that's included with it. That's actually kind of huge. Yeah, I, I was a pretty major detractor and I still have no intention of upgrading, but I I don't think that it's like a terrible deal anymore. I do think that Nintendo is still absolutely backwards on their game's preservation stance and they are doubling down on that every single day. <laughs> they are, and I don't think that'll ever change. That that I think that that their stance on that is so ingrained into their culture and mindset so that that stupid. is one thing that I think will never ever ever change. It's, but I I, di- I didn't know this recently but Nintendo I think it's the ESA is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, uh whatever it is it's a huge contributor to why like classic video games are not available in public libraries. Oh yeah, and they support that group, right? Yeah, and yeah, they, yeah they're very very against it. And that's just insane. Like you're not Nobody is paying for Nintendo Switch Online so that they can play the original Super Mario Brothers. No one. No one is doing that. I would so put... Like, I, honestly, I would push back against that. There are several people that, you know, like, who aren't exactly Su- tech-savvy, who Super aren't... Super Mario Bros. 3, sure, but not the original Super Mario Brothers. I don't know, man. Like, people see that it's on there and they're like, oh, I remember my childhood. I'm gonna get that. You know, like, it's as simple true. as that. You know, like, there's... Yeah, it's just insane. Like, I mean, here's the thing. Nintendo wouldn't be doing this if they knew they couldn't get away with it. And they can. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and they are they getting away <laughs> so, with it. That's the worst it, part. That, yeah, yeah, it sucks. I need, I need it to stop. Cause I, I'm not even like complaining that I don't get these games for free. That's not the problem. It's that like, especially the way they're doing it on switch, their curation is insane. It's like, it's, there's so many good games on the NES and I cannot play them legally. Yeah, and I think, like, that's a Nintendo strategy, I think. They're just going to drip-feed you games via their online pass, right? Whereas, like, you know, obviously, like, they could release probably, like, 10 a month forever and still, like, be good for the duration of the Switch's life cycle. But they're going to drip-feed you, like, one NES game every few months, and that's what it's going to be, which is a shame. It's it's a huge shame, yeah. Um. But I think overall, Nintendo, how I would characterize them, you know, right now and going forward into 2022 is just staying the course in in, in in the face of all these acquisitions and stuff, but more heavily investing in like, uh, maybe investing is the wrong term, but adding more value to the Nintendo Switch online program. Because they now see the value in these subscription services, right? Like uh, PlayStation Plus, Game Pass, and now these on this Nintendo Switch online pass like these things are like are are like the major sources of revenue for these companies right like these things are yeah. going to generate billions of dollars and I then- do think it's interesting to have a subscription model for, for that's just main like that's mainly giving you DLC though I think that's very interesting because it's a new approach I don't think it's been done before, but I, that's yeah. that's what I love about Nintendo and hate, I guess. But like, it, whenever they do something, it's such a unique yeah. take on it that you don't know whether to be impressed or like disgusted. Yeah, I, I can't help but wonder if people would have been less mad about like the DLC like craze, you know, in like the early 2010s and stuff. I wonder if people would like if it would have been an easier pill to swallow as a subscription service. Yeah, it might have been right, but like, here's the thing: like, they're also so the value from Nintendo Switch Online comes to me in like DLC, retro games, and online functionality, right? Online functionality shouldn't cost a cent, but like the retro games 
and the DLC is can be seen as really valuable from uh, to a lot of people, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, look at how many people are playing Super Mario 64 on Twitch through their Switch right now. It's, right. It's a pretty big number. Or at least how many people are watching people play Super Mario 64 through Nintendo Online on their Switch. Yeah. And and the brilliant thing about Nintendo is I Nintendo I think does nostalgia better than every and any other company, right? Like other than maybe like something like Disney, right? And the the brilliant yeah, Disney's and well, the, Nintendo's kind of taking a a card out of Disney's. Well, I was going to say right like now. the brilliant thing about the vault stuff. Nintendo's strategy is that Every time they add a new console to their virtual console list on Nintendo Switch, they basically open up a new silo of nostalgia, right? Like, there was always a generation of people growing up on SNES or NES or N64 who are just waiting for a chance to relive that era. And every time Nintendo adds a new console, I feel like it just skyrockets their subscription base, probably. They've kind of played all their cards there, though. Like, you know... I don't think the Switch could run GameCube games, so that's not going to happen. Well, it ran... No, it emulated Super Mario Sunshine, didn't I, it? I think it could run GameCube games. I don't know beyond that. It gets kind of iffy, but like, you know, like, I feel like by the time... They, they still haven't even tapped into their handhelds, right? Like, there's so yeah, much no, for them to insane. do. You have your handheld and I can't play my Game Boy games on it? That's yeah. So, mind-boggling. Yeah, Nintendo's... I feel like, at least in terms of this strategy of like... Retro games via subscription service have a lot left in the tank, so we'll see where that goes. But yeah, so that's Nintendo in a nutshell. Uh, let's uh, so let's move on to Sony. So Sony is interesting because like they have willingly demonstrated that to me at least that they're they're changing pretty quickly as a company, right? They're putting Destiny and Bungie's future titles everywhere, and they're releasing. <laughs> They're huge exclusives on PC, and rumor has it that, like, we're not going to have to wait, like, a year or two now for Sony exclusives to come out on PC. That time gap is going to shrink more and more, and I bet probably not in 2022, but soon after, we can see, we will see day and date releases on PlayStation and PC. I hope so, because I I think they could have got me with Horizon Forbidden West, I think. They they could have got me on that one if it was available to me. Yeah, and I think uh, they're they're planting the seeds in the PC audience's mind, right? Like PC audiences have gotten a taste of Horizon, they've gotten a taste of God of War, right? And like and now that they Sony knows that there's an audience there, like I feel like a a release day and date on that platform as well as PlayStation will just have it explode on both pl- platforms. You know so. what my question is though. Yeah. What does a day and date PlayStation 5 and PC release cost? That's a great like, question, yeah. Because so, $70 for a PS5 game, people on Steam are very set in their ways about the way they're going to buy a game. Like, controversial pricing causes review bombing constantly on Steam. So, like, I think if Sony tried to release a $70 game on Steam, I think people would riot. I think there would be fires in the streets. Like, Honestly, yeah. Yeah, it is an interesting conundrum, right? Because they, they, what if they release it for seventy dollars on PS Five and sixty dollars on PC? It wouldn't really See, make a whole lot of sense. Not a good idea, right? Yeah. Like, so, like, I don't know this this whole seventy dollar price point obsession is kind of strange to me, right? Like, I don't like 
I suppose like with inflation and stuff, it makes sense. But like, it's not it's not sticking. <laughs> it really isn't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. My beef with it is that the math doesn't check out, Sony. Like, yes, games are more expensive to make now. That that is all true. Absolutely, that's that's very true. They also sell so much, so many more copies than they ever have before, and like, it costs you nothing to sell a copy of a game. So yeah. Like, so that the economy of scale there that is an inter- interesting conundrum for what might happen when i what i could see happening is that they it's a 70 dollar release on pc huge backlash and then they drop it by 10 bucks like i could see that happening like yeah because another thing we've seen is that these big companies are being more and more responsive to outrage <laughs> no yeah. I, I guess outrage is a strong yeah. word but like Feedback. Yeah, yeah, controversy and yeah. feedback. Yeah, I, I will say, though, like, $70 PC port does make sense to me, though. Like, a PC game is harder to make than a PS5 game. Like, PS5 game doesn't need a, a massive settings menu where right. you can, like, tweak every little thing. Like Most PS5 port- games have two, maybe three tops graphical yeah. settings. PC has, like, almost an infinite array Everything. of settings. Yeah. yeah, so... And, you know, I think that's the superior settings menu. Like, if I had that on my console, I would use it, but... But then it defeats the purpose of a console, really. Sort of. I mean, yeah. you could hide the menu. Like, I don't care if I have to put in the Konami code to get to the menu as long mm-hmm. as it's there. But, um... But, yeah, it definitely... And they've been doing well with it. Like, God of War settings, I was fine with. You know? Everything was there that I needed. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely see the relationship between PlayStation and PC becoming more and more intertwined as the year progresses and beyond. And the other big thing for Sony I wanted to discuss is VR. So oh, yeah, Sony they showed the PSVR2 didn't they? Has they fully the yeah, they've shown the PSVR2 headset looks very sleek and futuristic and the spec sheet on that thing is highly impressive. Inside out out tracking uh, eye tracking, uh, haptics, foveated rendering, just a list. Really? Yeah, a list of cutting edge VR features. I wonder. So here's the real question: Can I plug my PSVR two into my PC? Like, I Im- I imagine. I I know not I'll be able at to. Launch. I'm a hundred percent certain I'll be able to. I just okay. wonder if Sony is going to give me the tools to do so, or if I'm going to have to download them from somewhere else. I imagine official support will not be there at launch, but we'll see, right? Like, they've been changing their relationship with PC a lot. But I think I eventually, would, yeah, I would. I could see that happening, right? Like, I'd buy a port of Planet Astrobot right now. Or not, what was it called? Astrobot Rescue, was that what it was called? Rescue Mission, yeah. Rescue Mission. I would buy that I mean, you've got to think Team Asobi is working on the next proper Astrobot entry for PSVR 2. That has to be happening, right? Yeah, yeah, especially after how amazing Astrobot, the, what was it called? The uh, Astro's, oh, so, Astro's Playroom. Yes, yeah. Astro's pl- Playroom for PS5, the pack-in game, is incredible. That team, Still, like, that that's team, such a good. That's a system seller almost. That looks amazing. That team, I. This is a spicy take. That team is rapidly approaching like Nintendo caliber of like platform design. They I'll give it to you. That, that yeah. As, they I really players, get it. They like, really get it. They they know what they're doing. And Astrobot's Playroom may be the most compelling PS5 game for me right now. It's a shame though because it's it is short, right? It's like. Yeah. It's not exactly a demo, but you're not going to spend, like, 10 plus hours no, on it. No, it's just something to fool around but with. But, yeah, later. like, yeah. I mean, I, I do find myself going back to that game just because I love how it plays and I love the 
attention to detail in that a, game. I love a cheery platformer like that. Exactly, too. And yeah. it's so different from, like, you've heard me whine on this podcast about your first-party PlayStation games and stuff, and, how, like, first-party PlayStation syndrome, how there's so much cruft and everything. Astrobot doesn't have any of that. Astrobot knows what it is, and it does it to, like, nearly perfection. Astrobot feels like a Nintendo game. Like, it, yeah. it, it really does. And that's a, you know, that's you a compliment. You don't stupid, four ham-fisted RPG elements, which are my main beef with modern games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can get those complaints, but, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like an RPG, if a game is an RPG, it should have RPG oh, yeah. elements. If, if a game is an RPG, it should have RPG elements. It's yeah. when it's God of War that it shouldn't have RPG elements. That's fair, elements. yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's when they're tacked on just to like have it on the back of the box or something. I could see released for PSVR 2 later this year. And that is definitely a day one purchase for me because they've pretty much revealed everything. What do you you think it's going to cost? I think think it's probably the biggest competitor. It's going to be more than a quest. I feel like I would say, gosh, if you'd asked me to put one number on it, I'd say 400 or 500, Uh, maybe 500. I would say five because like, look at that spec sheet, dude. Like it's it's insane. But look at the quest too. Like it's main competitor. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like you're going to have to have a PS5 to use this presumably, right? Like we don't know why I think it should be cheaper. (laughs) Like, yeah, it doesn't have a computer in it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. Like, I would love for it to be cheaper. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't see it. Like, yeah, it just seems like such a. It, it seems lo- it like, a, like a premium product, cutting yeah. edge VR product, but and VR like VR prices have to come down. Like, if it's going to really enter the mainstream, like but, you can't have your th- like the thousand dollar Valve Index was never going to be the mainstream VR yeah. headset. Like, but that that's one one aspect of Sony's overall strategy I really enjoy is that they're the ones really pioneering vr right like obviously like facebook is too but like i don't it's facebook right valve are the ones really pioneering vr like yeah half-life alex is the vr title okay that's fair that's fair but sony is investing sony is investing a lot of first party resources into psvr2 like there's going to be a new horizon exclusive game for psvr2 of of the big three like xbox nintendo playstation yeah so playstation's the one putting it all in you know like, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. that's what I meant, right? But like, no, I, I would still from, say that Valve is way more in on VR than PlayStation. They have their premium hardware. They have, I mean, they released the first Half Life game since Half Life Two. Yeah, that, that's two. fair. That's fair. I, I definitely that's, come from and more that's of exactly a exactly as big as a Horizon, if not bigger. Like, yeah, that's that's totally fair. I come from more of a console perspective, so that's why yeah. you guys need to check me on that when I make these statements. But yeah, no. Um, but yeah, definitely from a console perspective, Sony's leading the way in VR and I'm the only ones that are even interested. I know, right? It's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. It's wild to me that Microsoft did, uh, um, windows mixed reality and like none of that even touched Xbox, like, and it's not even come up for the series X. That's it's just like a difference. So it's like all three of these guys are taking a gamble, right? Like Sony believes that VR will be a major component in gaming in the future, right? Like it's not going to take over your regular gaming, but like it'll stand alongside it as like a new way to play games. But Nintendo and Microsoft don't agree with that. And I guess we'll just have to see whose vision for the future ends up being correct. Windows Mixed Reality is kind of in a sorry state these days, too. Like, I have my um, Lenovo Explorer that I've had. You know, that's the only VR headset I've ever owned. It's old. It's beat up. You cannot repair it. Like, you know, I've stepped on the cable a bunch of times. That cable cannot be replaced easily. I don't know if I could open the headset up and replace it. I don't think so. And, like, there's only one Windows Mixed Reality headset 
like that that has modern features and it's it's a uh the hp reverb g2 i think and it's it's not a terrible like it's a 600 dollars valve index competitor basically that's a hard sell like the six hundred dollars for that that vr is in a weird place right now it's kind of it is in a w- weird place and i guess another uh reason to qualify that statement i made about sony and vr is that i think sony is trying to make it not in a weird place they're trying to really push for it to be in like a mainstream thing i sincerely hope i and this is this is a long shot sony has to push back against the facebook metaverse nonsense like they have to see that like this is not what VR is. Yeah, like VR that, is not a locked down. See, that's another interesting like, dimension to this discussion cuz like I feel like metaverse has almost poisoned VR for yeah, a lot oh, of yeah. people. In, in a big way in like the public eye like everybody sees VR as the metaverse and it's poisoned with like Facebook charging you to look at street art and telling you it's a good thing. Like it's 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 gosh, it's, it's so disgusting. frustrating for someone who really wanted VR to be further also, than it tanking. is right now. Yes, they tanks like five hundred billion dollars. Yeah, it's it's five hundred million dollars. No, Ever I think it's it, I think it's billion it's, with it's a B. Billion. Yeah, <laughs> it's billion with a B. Billion yeah. with a B. Yeah, they're Jesus hemorrhaging Christ. money to switch to Meta. Yeah, I I would love to see the Metaverse be the thing that tanks Facebook. It, like metaverse, like I've seen and I've dove into like the scene and tried to see what's so big about it, and half the stuff that people are doing in the Metaverse. People have been doing since like Second Life. Yeah, it's just bad VR. I chat. think like I think Sony yeah, it's just terrible VR chat. I think with PSV VR two, Sony really needs to make a statement. And by do and how do they do that? I think they they just really dedicate first party single exactly. Games. They dedicate yeah. first party support to this thing. Right? We get the next Astro, and it's incredible. We get Horizon in VR, and it's not just a demo; it's a full length game. Right? Like this yeah. is what they need to do to prove VR. Right? Yeah. And and I get that they're kind of. I, I imagine they're trepidatious about doing this. Like, I imagine they're risk-averse to an extent, right? Because they really tried to support Vita with first-party games when it first came out, but then nothing happened, and then the first-party okay, support Vita had a lot stopped. of issues that PSVR does not have, though. Like, the I mean, the in the sense, well, the... also in the sense that it was competing with, like, DS, right? Like, yeah. But like PSVR 2's competition is not as steep, I feel like. It is not, right? And and the VR audience is still, I think, ripe for the taking, right? Like VR is not mainstream by any stretch of the imagination right yeah, now. Right Even though there. like it, when we first talked about VR like years ago on this podcast, I would have thought it would have been mainstream by now. Clearly, really? you know, my my estimations were too optimistic, right? Yeah, but I, I still think, think yeah. VR very much has the potential to go VR or uh, uh, mainstream. And I, th- I, I agree, and I, I mean, I mainstream isn't the word like mainstream. I guess on the level of like a first party Sony exclusive, right? Like we're talking like ten to twenty million sales, or something like that. Yeah. So like, yeah, my thought is like, v- VR is mainstream in that like you know someone that has an Oculus Quest two. Like no one doesn't know someone that has a VR headset anymore. I feel like, but like right. it'll be really mainstream when it's at like that PS four level where like. If you see someone walking down the street, you could probably talk to them about it. Like most, you know, people have played PS4. Like, yeah, I think obviously we're still a ways from that happening, but I do think yeah. Sony is dedicating the appropriate resources to try and make that happen. And I'm really happy about that. I really, really hope PSVR 2 succeeds. 
VR's, yeah, it's just, I think the VR's biggest problem is that we're like, and I guess VR is a good thing to talk about as a 2022 gaming checkup uh, that we've kind of sandwiched in here. But the big VR releases are so few and far between. Like, the last yes. massive, massive VR game was Half-Life Alex, and that was in, like, 2020, right? Like, it's because, well, it's another thing, it's, it's all about the risk, right? Like, these yeah. developers who make these great games want to keep making great you know regular games and not take a gamble on a vr game right like yeah. it's all about just taking the plunge and like no one's really been willing to do that but i think there, sony big is willing there are to other do that. huge challenges here too like streamability um streamers do stream vr games and stuff like i know v vinny vsauce whatever streams vr and stuff and uh, a few other people, but streaming VR is much more difficult than streaming any other game. You have to have a much yeah. nicer setup. And like even then, I can't watch footage of someone playing a VR game. I get sick. It's like, too it's too jarring. Yeah, it's too jarring. And and I can play VR just fine. I have a, I I consider myself having a decently strong stomach for it. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't think a game has to be streamable to be success su- successful. I, it certainly it helps, definitely though. helps. It definitely helps. I, I don't think any individual game has to be, uh, but I think to to have a whole platform that is difficult to stream makes it hard. Yeah, and because I do. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there might be, like, what if Sony develops a solution, or maybe not even Sony, just someone develops a solution where, like, a, a Twitch VR app. Right, like yeah, wouldn't that be great? Then you'd have to have things. like a, obviously a VR headset to fully get that experience, but like at least it's something. There's also, um, but yeah, I'm just thinking like this was a really roundabout way to do it. There are a lot of small VR games that are really good, and I know they're really good, and I still haven't played them. Like, it's just I that barrier to, to entry, right? It's, yeah, I expect you to die. Two came out, but I like I want to play it, but I also look over at my somewhat beat up headset. Uh, last time I plugged a pair of headphones into it, they made a loud screeching sound that was very upsetting. Yeah, I like, just, like <laughs> when I talk to my like non-game savvy friends, I, I and I tell them about VR, I, I tell them stuff like we're still in like the iPhone one or two era, right? Like this stuff is just getting started, right? It does feel exactly like I was thinking about the early iPhone commercials the other day, where it was like. The dude sitting at the table, and he's he's like all of his friends think he's a loser because he just says, "I I don't I don't need an iPhone. All I do is make calls and send texts. I don't need one." And they all are like playing Angry Bird or whatever on their iPhone yeah. and using the calculator. <laughs> and yeah. that's kind of how a lot of like the Super Bowl commercials and stuff feel to me. Like it's they're just, acting it's, like everybody has a VR headset in an attempt to get everyone to get one. It's still early days for VR, and my fear is that like this is where it ends, right? Like, I know that's hyperbolic, but, like, I, I, I fear that the right, the wrong choices are made, like, Metaverse becomes the face of VR, and then VR never goes anywhere, right? I don't think that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the, op- the, the pessimistic view, but, like, I do yeah. think Valve, Sony, these, these companies... of industry. These companies are really, you know, putting their best for- foot forward to try and make it happen. I just wish Microsoft and Nintendo was on board, too, because then I think the process would be a lot easier. But I am okay with Nintendo not being on board. I, I mean, they I, they're on board. I mean, they're slightly on board, right? Like they the had like a con. they had they had like a they had you know. the Google Cardboard equipment. exactly, yeah. yeah. Which is fine. They, I it, mean, it was an experiment right. for them, right? Like Nintendo always dabbles in all these different things, but like for them to actually throw their weight behind it would be something else entirely. It was such a bold play for them to make like all of Breath of the Wild playable in VR. What an insane, like. What an insane thing to do. <laughs> I don't know if you're 
Well, I'm not joking. This is a real thing. There's there you can put on the Toy-Con goggles and you can play Breath of the Wild in them. Is it like first person or like No, it's it's still third person, but it's like the game is 3D. Oh, kind of like Astrobot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even I don't think you can turn your head. I think it's actually just 3D. I don't actually well, know. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's but, just what an insane thing for them to do. Yeah. Well, that's Nintendo and Smash for Bros. You can yeah. do it in Smash Bros too. I can't even imagine that. That's so yeah. strange. I'm like 99% sure you can do it in Smash Bros. But yeah, I think Sony, I think that wraps up. Like, I definitely wanted to touch on VR as it relates to Sony because from a console perspective, they're really trying to make that happen. And I hope it does happen, right? Like, I think late 2022 or early 2023, we're going to see this headset come out and then we shall see. And last but not least, Microsoft, right? So Microsoft, uh, perhaps the most fascinating one just from it by virtue of what they're doing right they've purchased bethesda they've purchased activision blizzard they're surely to purchase someone big again soon right and the question becomes like what what's next right like the, obviously this is an effort to just get everything under the umbrella of game pass and i think what's next is to then try and launch game pass on everything conceivably possible including nintendo including playstation right nintendo i don't know how successful I don't know how successful they will be in approaching Japanese companies like Nintendo and Sony with this, but that is obviously, I think, their goal, right? If they release a Linux... All they would have to do is release a Linux app for Game Pass. I mean, like, another thing... And they could use Proton. Proton's open source. Another prediction I'm going to make, I think you're going to have an Xbox app on your smart TVs, right? And for, I think, for streaming, yeah, xCloud. Yeah, for, for, for xCloud, right, and you just, that is your... That's like the X- safest prediction I've ever heard. You right, know? yeah, that's like your Xbox call. Like, I I could see that happening probably fall this year, right? I could see it happening tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, tomorrow, yeah. Drop that. Like, yeah. Yeah, that could happen any day now. <laughs> Which, you know, like, it's very cool in the sense that, like, yes, it gets gaming everywhere, but, like, it also makes me personally a little sad because I feel like it's another, another step away from dedicated consoles. I xCloud does not feel like a replacement for consoles to me. It I think they like I think Microsoft really and truly wants it to be, but I, I agree with you. I don't the think it is. Infrastructure is just not even close. Like I mean, I guess that's it, right? Like I will be okay with getting rid of dedicated consoles once the infrastructure is so good that it's indistinguishable. I don't think that's physically possible, not with current technology. Because like Yeah. It's just too location based. You get a certain amount of latency just for how many miles of cable there is, you know? Like, that's yeah. unavoidable. That is that is literally, like, your limitation there is the speed of light. We cannot do better than that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. I do think Microsoft is trying to make it happen. Like, I, unless they want to put a data center in every town in the continental United States, it's never going to work here. You know what's like, wild? That that I bet you that's something Microsoft has thought about. <laughs> like, I'm not even if, kidding. If they're going to do that, I'm fine with it. Like, if they're going to give me a, a game, an Xbox, like, you know, xCloud that works, I'm pretty happy with it. It's just not feasible for me right now. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, xCloud is going to become more prevalent. Game Pass is going to be on everything, right? Like, Game Pass is going to be on your TV, probably. Do we think... In some capacity, right? Like, because we know, uh, actually, we could have touched on this with PlayStation, but as well. But PlayStation is making Spartacus, right? That's the code name. I don't know if we've discussed this on the show before, but Spartacus is a Game Pass equivalent. So PlayStation is making a Game Pass, right? And it begs the question, right? With Sony grabbing Bungie, Microsoft grabbing Call of Duty, Activision, all of that, 
if like in the future in the near future it, when spartacus comes out is on is on playstation sony and microsoft reach some sort of deal where they have like a limited version of game pass on playstation a limited version of spartacus on xbox so that those channels will be opened up that you know seems unlikely to me unlikely i yeah unlikely i honestly i i disagree i think we're heading in that direction right like i yeah, think i'm not gonna take as hard of a stance on it as i would have a few years ago but i i don't think i don't know i just don't think sony's bringing enough to the table for xbox to make any concessions i, I don't how do you figure that sony exclusives are massive yeah they're not as massive as call of duty obviously but like that's still like tons of so games you think, okay so when you said limited i was thinking like okay they'll let you have destiny and like maybe some of the little ones like but they're not going to put uncharted on xbox but like i don't know like i feel like we could see sony first party exclusives on xbox via that service and microsoft first party exclusives on game pass on playstation like i think wild because at that point it's just everybody buying a steam machine basically because the I, consoles are already nearly like identical hardware wise yeah so, i don't know like i think if they're I, identical software wise like what's the what's the point even i think what, that's what the that's Why the even sell a console i don't know like i feel like these brands have established themselves and now they just are trying to get everywhere i think that's the play right now maybe yeah i mean i i i long have said that like hardware sales are dumb like you're selling these consoles at a loss like why why not just sell the sell the software everywhere you can I would just be so shocked if they suddenly realized that 20 years later. Well, here's the thing. That's been the established paradigm forever now, right? And now we're at the point where, like, these boxes exist, but don't technically have to. But people associate, you know, PlayStation with... People associated, like, Uncharted and Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima, Horizon, all these games with PlayStation, right? Like, and PlayStation, you, you have a very specific image of that box, right? Same with Microsoft and Xbox, right? Those those associations don't necessarily have to be there. It's just been ingrained in how we consume video games. But, you know, with where technology is at and where we're at, uh, and, like, with software being king and everything, like, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case anymore. It's just that's how it was, so that's how it is, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I'd be shocked if they see it that way. I agree with you. I think they're starting to. I think that's the, that we've gotten evidence of that seeing it that way, but... Yeah, I, I do. I don't know if in like 2022 we'll see Game Pass on PlayStation or Spartacus on Xbox, but I, I think I don't think anything. I think like it's happening. Will be happening until the ink dries and Call of Duty is being held ransom. Like I think it's so and 2024. Uh, another instance. really interesting discussion to be had. So Call. Of, so we didn't touch on this earlier in the episode, but when we mentioned it, but the reason that 2023's Call of Duty was delayed was because that Vanguard underperformed so badly that they want to spend the extra time to polish the next Call of Duty. That's Dude, It was a bad year to be a first-person shooter fan in 20... Uh, and, and just for some perspective, Call of Duty Vanguard was still the best-selling game in 2021. Oh, my God. Easily. Like, it, it, and you know what number two was? Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Right? Really? So, Call of Duty is still king, right? Oh but, but the fact That's that taste, they're, they're number one... But their sales internally must have been much lower than what they thought they would have been to yeah. make this move. So that, yeah. and, and I think, I don't know, like, I imagine a 2023 where a COD doesn't come out in the fall, gamers you are looking Call of Duty for- will still be the best-selling game of 2023? 
I don't think so. I don't think so, right? Because, like, Modern Warfare 2 will come out this fall, and then, like, I guess, Mod- I, I would imagine Modern Warfare 2 would be in, like, the top 10 for next year, but, like, I think that number one spot for the first time in decades has an opportunity, well, not decades, right, because, like, GTA, when it first came out, obviously, probably, I would have to check the data, but I would imagine it'd be Call of Duty, but, like, something other than GTA or Call of Duty has the opportunity to be the best-selling game of 2023. Did Minecraft ever beat Call of Duty? I don't know. I'm not sure. That's a weird one. Yeah, I never really thought about because yeah, I never really thought about those two. But the point I was trying to get at is that like we might be seeing like a wane in Call of Duty, right? Like because even though Vanguard was a broken mess, I totally expected people to still lap it up, right? And obviously yeah, they too. did, but the sales are down so much that they have decided to delay Call of Duty, which I can't stress enough how gargantuan of a decision that is right like that is huge news like that is so much that's unthinkable that's like a billion dollar move right there like a billion plus dollar decision has been made to do that so it's times are changing is all i'm saying times are changing and uh it's it's a fascinating time to be into the games industry like my word like i've been following this since i was like uh obviously a young kid and i've never youngin yeah, a youngin, and I've not been. Now we're, I've now never we're here jaded. I've never been more interested in the games industry than I have been right now. Like it's been, it's 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 crazy right now. I don't know. I think I've gotten more jaded over the years. It, I fair. mean, that's a fair thing to be jaded, but I think just from the perspective of like how the industry is changing so rapidly while we're getting these amazing games is just I don't know. It excites me a lot, personally. Yeah, there's a lot to be excited about in gaming now. A lot to be excited about, a lot to be fearful of, too, honestly. Oh, yeah. But I'm gonna have to, be, yeah. I'll be, I'll, I still spend, like, most of my time playing older video games, but I'll be coming out of that uh, tomorrow. Coming to out of your hibernation. Well, Good almost certainly be Lord. the biggest video game of the year. Probably the biggest video game of the generation already. Like, I'm maybe not even... Of, yeah, maybe of the decade. Maybe, yeah. maybe of all time. Like, And this is not hyperbole, right? Elden Ring yeah. comes out tomorrow on pc the day after it, on console it did like i and don't think this is going to shake things up from a business sense but it did occur to me that it's kind of wild for us to record a state of gaming like we're almost doing a like pre and post elden ring like what was the world like right no like i, I you know i i almost want to say i'm joking but i bet <laughs> phil's on a plane to japan right now to, 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 to acquire yeah, i know right yeah. like <laughs> Someone's gonna that, la- someone's going to get from software. Like let's just they, be yeah, realistic. If they don't buy from software, they're gonna poach Miyazaki. Like someone is going to get from software, which I don't I do not want that to happen. I do not want I just they're no. a perfect crown jewel in this yeah. entire mess. And like every game they put out, I feel like almost every single game they put out since they've started making Dark Souls has been a masterpiece. But this Elden Ring has a 97 on Metacritic right now. That's like Breath of the Wild tier, right? Like that's Breath this, of the Wild. I think was a ninety six. Like it might have, yeah, it might be a ninety. So this game is, you know, like obviously we shouldn't just base everything off of review scores, right? But like when something has an aggregate score that high, that tells you that this there is something here, right? Like and reviewers are already saying like this is, you know, the perfect fusion between Souls and Breath of the Wild, and they're saying that like this is game design on another level and this is one of the best games ever made i'm just super excited to finally devour this game yeah, and uh I, it's, 
I, I work is going to drag on. I I am one of the blessed few who will be playing this on PC tomorrow, and it, it comes to us at six PM Eastern. Yeah, I'm Everyone gonna else has to wait. I'm gonna have to wait until I am taking Friday off, and I'm probably only going to play Elden Ring on Friday. Yeah. But good lord, that game. You know, like obviously I knew it would be a good game. Like a great an excellent game. I knew it would be superb. But just seeing that materialize in in like these perfect scores and like people gushing about it the way they are is just like it's surpassed my wildest dreams. Like I also like seeing all these people like yeah I'm I'm 50 hours into Elden Ring and stuff like it's a massive game. Yeah, Dark Souls is not that long. Like, yeah, unless you die a bunch, which I do. But like, but I've also seen that like if you want, you can skip anywhere from like 85 to 90 percent of the entire game. Oh my god! Which that's, is that's just unhealthy it, it, for somebody like me who typically does do. I that. mean, it's like the Zelda. It's the same thing with Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, you could just like walk into the castle and finish the game. Yeah, Obviously, you'd have to be really yeah. good to do that, but like it's possible. But I am. <laughs> oh come on! But Elden Ring seems like a similar deal, right? Like, but but with Elden Ring though, like I'm going to absorb as much of that world as I can. Like I'm going to. There's going to be so many secrets to discover. So much stuff to explore in that game and it's not going to be like rote triple a like side quests this is miyazaki we're talking about we're basically talking about dark souls on like another scale and that excites me so much and this game much like breath of the wild had influence on the games that followed i very much feel already that elden ring is going to influence the games for many years to come just just i can tell it's that kind of game so i hope yeah i I'm Honestly, I'm still, I feel like I'm still cautiously optimistic. I'm not like shaking in anticipation, but I do expect it to be good. I think honestly, next week we could just have probably a dedicated episode to our yeah, thoughts like in Elden Ring. Yeah, yeah. I, th- well, I think we'll that's appropriate. It yeah, this weekend, but yeah, I could see that. But okay, are, are so, you going to be playing it, Mike? No. <laughs> well, Mike will. Have, I'm just going to be discluded. No, Mike will have a valuable perspective of someone who doesn't care about yeah. this stuff, and I, I, I'm not being like I'm not, you know. I'm being serious when yeah. I say that. Like that—that that is a valuable perspective to have. Um, I don't like from software games. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I'm contrary. Everyone says that th- this game is even getting the non-from software fans. So that's something to consider. But yeah, I I cautiously say this. I think it's easier. Like it's I, more I think- it's more accessible. That's what I've read. Because like yeah. apparently it's it's still really difficult, but it's so huge now that like if you're stuck on a boss or an area, you can just like go to an entirely different area and then just and, like and Dark Souls has always had an easy mode. Its easy mode was just casting and it like it and, was mechanical. And co op. There's co op too, right? Yeah. Like you can summon a friend. Like there and are I believe this game's co op is better if, than if if you have hang ups like, about the difficulty in these games, there are very well defined ways around that. Just FYI, if you think you'd be interested otherwise, but all that I'm not going to hang ups about the difficulty. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily talking to you, just like the audience in general. Yeah, we know you're too weenie to play Dark Souls, Mike. (laughs) I I am. I like my planes. Turn it down for you. So don't don't get me wrong, I like difficulty, but I like difficulty that's not from software games. That's fair, but like I, I don't know. I just want to stress to people that like these games are not as difficult as everyone makes them out to be. Like once you finally, truly play yeah. them, you'll understand. It's just the about secret. Really, is for most bosses, you stand at their feet and dodge roll, but it's still really good. Yeah, but I don't. I don't want to like. Yeah, I don't want to force I'm, anything. I, I'm not here to sell you on what may be the greatest game you know? <laughs> ever made. <laughs> God, yeah. I feel like I'm about wilds. to get peer pressured. 
Yeah. All right. You know, I didn't play Outer Wilds either. I know you didn't. Nobody did. I didn't play. <laughs> I, nobody did. I will eventually. I, the I, only person I know that's played Outer Wilds is Ryan. I think. I don't know. I'm <laughs> you don't weird. Know Every time I hear someone sure. refer to it, it being a game being like Breath of the Wild, I just lose interest. I I, I sympathize with that because yeah, I know you're I, you're an anti. I'm always wrong. Like. Every every game I've heard compared to Breath of the Wild does not come out of that comparison favorably. So I'm that that actually is what has me most cautious about Elden Ring. It will be the first like I mean, I've it, seen most of the reviews I've seen say it does Breath of the Wild way better than Breath of the Wild, which is just yeah, bonkers I'm, to me. So I'm interested to see that cuz I do like I think it has the potential for that to be true, like from what I've seen. Yeah. And I've but seen I, very I have, little like Every so. every open world I've looked at, other than Outer Worlds, which or not Outer Worlds, Outer Wilds. Man, I can't believe I was the one who did that. Um, that that Outer te- Wilds is so like that really tells you something about like how badly oh, the, yeah, the marketing for that game must have gone. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, Outer Wilds is like the only game I can think of that did an open world as good as Breath of the Wild did. And even then, like Outer Wilds is not in the same genre really yeah. as breath of the wild but you know so. i i think we can save our elden ring assessment for next week we've we've got uh, our assessment it. sure but I, yeah. i'm not you know I, I need to fanboy a little bit i am very excited for yeah, it yeah i'm very excited for it i'm i'm we've been talking about it in our chat all I, day i legitimately was just like yeah i'm gonna take off work on friday like it's I, happening i haven't decided if i'm gonna try to do that like i've already day. told my supervisor and everything like it's it's it depends it's done. on my workload and but also i don't know I've, i have a hard time doing stuff like that i feel yeah. weird about it it yeah it, it yeah tangent but like it does I, depend on how comfortable you are with that sort of thing with your supervisor but yeah well it's not even that for me it's more like the back of my brain that's like you were supposed to be at work right now you were supposed to be at work uh, right yeah you're supposed to be like it's i just it's not like skipping a day of school it feels like i'm shirking an obligation which you know whatever yeah sure your time off you can do with it with what you please but well i yeah yeah. All right. So let's get into get into the games we're playing instead of just gushing about Elden Ring for another half an hour, which honestly, could, I could, I could, it, I could but, do it. But yeah. uh, I'm going to go first this week. I've been playing Horizon Forbidden West. So for me, Horizon is one of those games that like it came out. It was a brand new IP from Gorilla, right? Like Gorilla was only known for Killzone before, which is like this okay first person shooter. I know Killzone has its fans, but I was never really one of them. We talked about it. it was great. I know. I said it has its fans. Yeah, but uh, Horizon Zero Dawn came out in 2017, and it was a fascinating game about uh, this like tribal society, right? Like in I this feel post-apocalyptic like it come out a year sooner, it would have been like goaded. Like I know. I'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> but it came out, and it was about this tribal society that lived in post on post-apocalyptic Earth. And there were these giant machine dinosaur slash animals roaming the planet. And you really don't get an explanation for that, right? Like, you spent the majority of the first game wondering, like, how did the world come into this state, right? And the game had, I think, really good combat, right? Some people don't like the combat. I really do. Uh, where you hunt these machines and you have to, like, shoot off specific parts and analyze what parts are weak to what attacks and stuff like that. It had a story that involved Aloy, the protagonist, her journey from being an outcast to like a hero uh, in this uh, tribalistic post-apocalyptic society. But most interestingly to me is that it had one of the most fascinating sci-fi stories I've ever experienced in any form of media. And that is the story of what happened to the planet Earth 
why these machines exist, why all life was eradicated, you know, like why the world as we knew it ended and these tribal people exist in the first place. That mystery is explored in full in the first Horizon Zero Dawn, right? You gotta play Nier Automata, man. <laughs> it's, yeah, I know. And no, because you, you saying that was like making me think of a, a game that I really like and like I Horizon never really appealed to me, but you selling it in a way that makes me think of Nier makes me want to play it. Well, I mean, so. I'm just telling you the most interesting part of that game to me was what yeah. the incredible story of like how the world ended and why the world is the way it is now. So coming into Horizon Forbidden West, right? Like I knew it would be, you know, good. I knew it would be a good game, right? But I had reservations, right? Like I knew there would be really cool new machines. I knew the world would be super interesting. They would take lessons they learned from the first game and lessons from Breath of the Wild. I knew all this going in, but my one reservation was that, okay, the mystery of why the world was the way it was, was the most fascinating thing about Horizon Zero Dawn to me. And that was entirely solved and explained in the first game. And now that the mystery has been solved, I don't know what could command that level of attention in the second game. I am very happy to report that that fear was totally unfounded, and the story goes in absolutely wild directions. And I'm talking about, like, the sci-fi and the lore and stuff, right? Like, Yeah, because we, we talked earlier, and I was like, I'd watched Brian David Gilbert stream a little of this game yesterday, and it, the writing for, like, the dialogue that was happening, like, during battles and stuff, and, like, it was bad. So I, I And I hated it. So like, the dialogue during battles is very average, right? Like, but the yeah. the game actually shines in like dialogues when you're just talking to NPCs. Like the side quest quality in this game has improved leaps and bounds. Like the facial animations on random NPCs in side quests is better than like a lot of main characters in other AAA games. Like the quality of the facial animation is absolutely ridiculous the in this game. The fidelity in this game in general is kind of insane yeah the, like, the, it was the, insane the, on the ps4 the graph yeah the graphics in horizon forbidden west i will say this right now this is the best looking game i've ever played right the fidelity is is unbelievable yeah uh, the fidelity is unbelievable you can zoom know. in to like a leaf and see detail on that like you can see the little oh veins gosh. and everything like it's not just like the actual asset quality and the textures are like all like so super like high res and high quality so like it looks great it sounds great it has this incredible soundtrack that really it, it it like gets you pumped while you're fighting machines it you know it slows down and it turns into like a more of like a melancholic beautiful soundtrack when you're like exploring and seeing the world all that's great but back to my earlier point about the lore right like the 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 story of Aloy and like her companions and like her interacting with the other tribes and stuff is fine, right? I enjoy it, but that was never my favorite part of Horizon. You know, that was the case for her Zero Dawn and Forbidden West, right? Like, her story was fine. Like, I enjoyed it, but, like, it was not my main appeal. So I, I guess... The, I, well, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. The main appeal... Down, yeah, the main appeal, once again, in Horizon Forbidden West to me is you know, what happened in the past and how that is now impacting what is happening in the story right now. And the the lore reveals that go along with that are insane, quite frankly. Like, they're just... The directions the story went in are not directions I foresaw. And I'm so glad it's going in this direction. 
and exploring these sci-fi concepts. I'm being vague intentionally, obviously, but yeah, th- yeah, that's so, so. Go ahead, Connor. What did you want? So, my curiosity is like, does it tell you what happened, or do you have to like? Because you, you mentioned earlier today, I believe that you were like, you spent forever hunting down audio logs and stuff in yes. the original Horizon. So, so, so to answer your question. The core of what happened, it tells you everything in Horizon okay. Zero Dawn. But if you want additional details and, like, stories and, like, all the ancillary information around the core events that happened in the past, you have to look for them. But the actual what happened in the past, yes, it tells you outright, because that is core to the entire structure of Horizon. Okay. Um, so, but, but the other details you find and stuff, like, my, my favorite storytelling in games it's you know outer wilds if you if you ever end up playing it you'll realize why i love it so much because my favorite storytelling in games is like the story that i that is not told to me but that i have to like piece together based on what i'm observing yeah i i I get what you mean right like and this is the same thing in like dark souls games right like the story you yeah but i don't need it to be that obscure like yeah like because outer wilds does it like it's not like you have to read, you know, every item description and, like, there's stuff there that you could completely miss. Like, you probably got it when you played Outer Wilds, but it also wasn't, like, super spoon-fed to you. You had to piece... There there were there was subtext. Like, you had no, to... No, so, okay, so I will tell you that Horizon is more of, like, it does... It tells a more of a traditional narrative, right? Like, in the sense that, like, it's not going to ask you to uncover the lore, right? Like, it'll have side stories and elements that, yes, you have to discover and uncover on your own. But, like, the core story, you will fully understand if you just play the main game. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy to me that, like, this game, the map size is the same as Horizon Zero Dawn. It's a brand new map. Uh, because she goes to the Forbidden West, right? The title, which is like basically the, the Western part of the United States. And the, the map is the same, but like, it's just so much denser, right? Like the first Horizon Zero Dawn, like it was great for what it was, but like looking back on it, right? Like there were a lot of like stretches of nothing, right? Granted, the it no- was a pre-Breath of the Wild yeah, open world the nothing yeah. were The nothing was very pretty to look at, don't get me wrong, but like... In Forbidden West, like, you see so many things around you at any given time, and you can go to these places, and there's interesting things to do there, right? Like, obviously, like, it has, like, icons on the map and stuff that you can turn off if that's your thing. But, like, even aside from those icons, if you explore something that doesn't, isn't necessarily marked on the map, you could still find something secret there that, like, you wouldn't have found otherwise if you were just, like, going off of, like, a map checklist. So there's definitely a bit of, like, organic world discovery going on in this game that was definitely not present in the in the predecessor. And uh, I find that really cool. But, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I think overall, like, Horizon Forbidden West, don't get me wrong. Like, I am already 35 hours into this game. It came out last Friday. And I will not be answering any questions on how I've achieved this this feat in such a limited amount of time, but I'm just so hooked on this world, man. Like it's gorgeous to look at. It's, it's, it's fascinating to explore. And like, it's, it's this constant push, push, pull on the experiencing with this game where like, I'm so interested in where the story and the lore is going to go. I just want to beeline the main quest, but I also want to really just live in this world. So simultaneously, I want to do like every side quest and really explore it. So I'm constantly like fighting between those two, opposing viewpoints as i play this game but all that to say that is that like i'm so so enjoying it i love horizon zero dawn the first game and like this game is an improvement in pretty much every single way 
All that being said, though, Horizon Zero Dawn came out, and like a week later, Breath of the Wild came out. Horizon Forbidden West ca- comes <laughs> out, and a week later, Elden Ring is going to come out. And I Elden just, Ring is going to stomp this game. I, I, I just <laughs> can't help but feel a little bad for Guerrilla Games, because I think they've created remarkable games. I think Horizon Zero Dawn, and even more so Forbidden West, are incredible games. But it's just the misfortune of releasing these games in the vicinity of games that people will call some of the best ever made. Yeah, games <laughs> like, that rewrite how you make an open world game. So, like, what are you supposed to do, right? Like, at this rate, like, I feel like Horizon 3, if there is a Horizon 3, is going to come out, like, what? Maybe when GTA when 6 comes out or something like, yeah, like out. Breath of the Wild 2 or, like, Elden Ring 3 or 2 or you know, it's just like or a joke at this Elder point. Elder 6 cuz like, you know, I dunk on Skyrim a lot, but it yeah. kind of reinvented the open world. It's just funny to me. Like it's it's funny and like I I it's a little sad too, but like I I mean, it shouldn't be sad, right? Like Horizon Zero Dawn has sold 20 million copies. Horizon yeah. which is also insane because it's a new IP, right? Like a brand new IP sold 20 million copies, which is pretty unheard of, honestly. And Forbidden West will surely do better than that. So I'm not I'm not feeling bad from a sales perspective. I'm just feeling bad from the perspective of like this game is not going to get the love and attention that it maybe deserves because one of the best games of all time is coming out imminently. Right. And even me, who basically every waking moment, I'm not playing Horizon right now. I want to play Horizon Friday. I'm just going to play Elden Ring like a crackhead. Like, you know, like I. I don't know what I'm going to do, because I do want to continue Horizon, but, like, I'm going to play Elden Ring. Yeah, I was going to say, what's so, going to happen is you're going to play through all of Elden Ring like a like a monster. Yeah. And then have, you know, a short rest period. I, I'm then, I'm like, legitimate in saying, like, I really don't know how I'm going to handle it. Like, I know I'm going to yeah. play Elden Ring pretty much all day Friday, but, like, I ideally I would like to balance the two somehow, but I just don't foresee well, how that's going to happen. I mean, we're supposed to get a nice storm this weekend, so you don't have anything else to do. Like, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, those are my thoughts on Horizon Forbidden West. Incredible sequel, improves upon the original in pretty much every way. And my one concern of it not having lore that could live up to the original. But let's be fair, like the lore, and the it, it's not as good as the original, the lore, right? Because the explanation for what actually happened in the past was so freaking good. Like I, it would, there's no way it would have been topped, right? But the story itself is still exceeding all expectations I had because I did not think it would even come close and it has definitely come close. And uh, if you're really interested in, like, I guess, open world games with cool combat, and more than that, like, just a really fascinating sci-fi scenario, I highly recommend checking the Horizon games out. And if you like a Sony first-party game, you know, it's got it's got that stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, Horizon is actually an RPG, right? So the RPG yeah. elements are, are at home here. So, yeah, that's Horizon Forbidden West. Who want dunk? There are good things about Sony first-party games. You say like, it. You say it I in say a way a that's a thing. dunk. I love yeah. Uncharted. It's one of my favorite game series. Like, yeah, it might be my favorite. Like, non-Nintendo. Like, Uncharted. It, Uncharted is also my favorite. Like, I don't yeah. like everything that comes out. Like, Uncharted just has that special something for to me. Yeah, like, I, I I value it so so much so that like I went and saw the movie, even though I knew I would be comparing it constantly. Well, you got to go see it for free, didn't you? I did, but one one really cool Easter egg. Gotta disclose that one really Come cool on. Easter egg. I will disclose. I I don't know how sensitive you are, are to this, no, but it, I, Easter eggs you can tell me. So there's this section in the movie 
where uh, Tom Holland like washes ashore. He's like, oh, that's crazy. I just fell out of a plane in, or, or, or whatever. He says something to that effect. And on the beach is Nolan North, the guy who plays uh, yeah. Nate Drake in, in the games. And he goes, oh, really? That's happened to me a few times. And I got such a chuckle out of that. Cause, that's like, really funny. It I wouldn't was, have gotten that because I don't know what Nolan North looks like. He sounds exactly like Nathan Drake in real life. Oh, yeah, that makes so, sense. So yeah. you could hear his voice. And I just that just made me smile so much. That's really It funny. was kind of like a passing of the torch. Yeah. Um, which is kind of disgusting. But it, it is, but like... Also charming. I don't know. Like, if, if Tom Holland has to be Drake, at least let Tom it Tom Holland be- is not the worst possible casting for Drake. The problem is uh, Mark Wahlberg. I don't know. Sully. I feel like you've, he doesn't have... Tom Holland doesn't have the age to convey Drake. No, he, he's a decent young Drake, but, but like... Yeah. He, but- he's a decent young Drake... Mark Wahlberg is not a decent young Sully. No, he's not. But we've 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 spoken to that many times. No, I need, does he say "goddamn" in the movie? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't no. think he does. No. That's yeah. not allowed. I I'm not watching that movie. Nope. It's, yeah, I it's, don't think uh, I could see it if. Yeah. I I I think I would have remembered if he did, and I can't remember it right now. So that's not a good sign. But, but that's, uh, that's that's Sully. That's, just, that's the laziest writing of all time. <laughs> that it's is a like, gimme. You don't even have to like. They do. They do. Effort. Okay, let me just say they do include include Drake's like, oh crap, you know, like as he's falling off of things. Like, yeah, they do have that for sure. They have Tom Holland say that, but I don't remember that's, Sully. That's great, but Sully yeah. is just as important to the Uncharted experience yeah. for me. Maybe they'll learn in the sequel, which is inevitably happening at this point. That, that so. is what, I mean, that's what it seems like happened with the Sonic. You know, I saw something funny was, yeah. online. They were like, maybe Uncharted 2 will be the Uncharted 2 of movies. <laughs> 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 that's that's a good one. Yeah, that's great. Uh-huh. Uh, All right. Connor, Mike, who, who wants to go next? Uh, I haven't played uh, anything really. So. All right. I'll go ahead and talk about Ace Combat 5 then. Did you not pick up Warhammer? Or is that oh, I yet? did. I I just haven't played a lot of it. Okay, I I played very little. Tutor- tutorial campaign's pretty nice, but I want to talk about Ace Combat Five because I didn't talk about it last week, or if I did, it was like a little little bit of talking about it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Very melodramatic. A lot of a lot of war sucks messaging in it. How how would you compare it to Four? Because <laughs> I remember you saying Probably that Four was kind of like not Four. Four is a power fantasy. Five is more of a... It's more of a story. There's more story in five that's directly told to me rather than, like, I have to figure it out as I go along and watch in mis- in between mission cutscenes. And do you like like that better? Or? Oh, yeah. I like, I like when the story happens during the gameplay. So I have something to focus on while I'm mindlessly flying around. Yeah. I like the two to be intertwined because I just zone out cutscenes half the time. <laughs> but but five centers around uh, the War Dog Squadron. There's four of you, which is way better than one. Well, what? <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm having a. I'm having, having a stroke. A stroke right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a stroke. <laughs> it's way better than four, where four is very melodramatic. And, or no, four is not melodramatic. My thoughts are all jumbled. I mean, when you've played like twelve Ace Combat I've, games, it's kinda... I've played with it. They're all blending together. Yeah. Zero's starting to pop in there too. Uh, five is very melodramatic. 
you follow War Dog Squadron as they as they go through this this great war between you and Yuktobania, which is just a big XP for the Cold War. There, there's a little bit of those those dirty Yukes thrown out there, a little bit, little bit of a little bit of war crimes, and then it turns out that the war was organized by none other than, other than the Belkins. Is that like Always. a, a Kojima level reveal? But I'm not. No, not really. <laughs> not really. No, it's just, it's Ace Combat Zero follows the Belkin War, where like Belka invades a bunch of people, and then they get stomped, and so they hold that grudge for every other game in the Ace Combat universe. Oh, so he's like the uh, like the monkey guy from Star Fox. Imagine imagine if Nazi Germany held a grudge and started destabilizing world governments. Yeah, imagine. It's literally just imagine, Belka. Imagine if there were Nazis out in the world right now <laughs> yeah, causing imagine trouble. <laughs> there were Nazis out there. These ones are a little bit more secret and they have lasers. Yeah. Uh, good. <laughs> but... Yeah, there's just there's these two Belkin aggressor squadrons that have been there. They abducted the president. <laughs> classic. Yeah, classic classic Belkins uh, abducting your president, and then they they uh they pull you as traitors. Uh oh. Yeah, that's the big turn of the game is you, when you turn traitor and then flee to an aircraft carrier. Uh oh. And then come back in all black planes. Oh. Working under the president that you just rescued. That had four planes for you and your squad. Yeah. No, they painted their they painted their planes. Oh, they painted black. them. Okay. Yeah. No, I think they. It's described in story as they intercepted a carrier full of Belkin aircraft. Okay. They just stole a cargo a cargo ship or some stupid stuff to to guarantee that you're on this aircraft carrier. Hey, man! Whatever gets you in the plane. Yeah, I bet it's. Oh, a fun and then you game. shoot down a satellite with your plane. With your plane. Well, yes. it's a satellite that they're live loaded up with nukes, and you assault the control room, so you bring it out of orbit, and then they go to crash it into a capital city. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's Ace Combat. Yeah. They had to put a tunnel running in there, dude. And then the they soundtrack? uh, oh, <laughs> I didn't even get there yet. It's pretty good, right? <laughs> oh my god, I still listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Five has some really good music in it. And I think it's the first one that set the orchestrail and Latin chanting. No, not Latin chanting. That was four. Five was the first one where they brought in the orchestrail instead of just generic sampled instruments. I don't remember how they did four. Soundtrack's really good, though. Yeah, I mean, like, a soundtrack doesn't really need to have orchestrated parts to be good, right? Like, I've heard really good. No, it really doesn't. Soundtracks that don't but, involve instruments, so. Four does this weird thing, or Ace Combat does this weird thing where they blend both synthesizers, orchestral, and choirs to create their soundtracks, and it's always good. There's never, I've yet, I've not found a bad Ace Combat track, and I've played through. Yeah, you played a lot of three it. Three of yeah. them, <laughs> and I'm about to finish Zero at some point. The Zero prequel. Zero is a prequel that was released after Five. Yeah, like literally, the recommended order is to play zero first, then play five because they're they're literally prequel sequel to each other. Interesting. Uh, but they came out in the opposite order. I wonder if they were in development at the same time. No, Ace Combat Zero and Ace Combat Six were though. Okay. Which is strange, considering that Project Aces is like twenty people ish. So okay, so if you were to do a ranking of the Ace Combat games you've played so far, how would you rank them? 
Well, considering I haven't finished zero, I'd put five probably close to the top. Seven's, I think, second. Four's third. It depends on how zero hits, whether uh, that ranking gets shook, shook up or not. Yeah. I, I, I guess maybe the question was a little premature, but after you've run through all the games, it'd be interesting to hear yeah, you rank I need them. the I need to finish the Holy Trinity. Four, five, and zero, right? Four, five, and zero. All the PS2 games. I'm getting close. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you all for listening. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, etc. Click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yeah, see you guys next week. See you next week to talk about Elden Ring. Nintendo is making a live-action Mario movie starring Chris Pratt. It's not (laughs) live-action. I keep saying that, you know. (laughs) It's not live-action. It's me, Chris Pratt. (laughs) Oh, my God. I still twice now on the show. I didn't mean... Okay, okay. I didn't actually mean it. I I just... It was a misspeak I need this in my life. I really want to see Jack Black dressed as Bowser. You know, if I keep saying it, it's going to exist one day. And you'll thank me for it.